The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I am Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Boy, am I giddy. It is time for episode 300 of Break the Business. We made it, everybody. How excited are you? I hope you're as excited as I am. Oh, my God. The stuff we have planned for this show I am speechless. I am excited. I am over the moon. I don't know how we're going to fit it all into an hour, but you know how we're going to do it? We're going to get right to it is what we're going to do. First things first, let's bring out our co-host this week, the original Break the Business co-host, Metal Dave, joining us. Hey, Dave. Hey, man. Hey. Oh, I'm How's so it happy going? to see you, yeah. buddy. So I, I, but I, I'm a little confused. You said 300, but like I've been waiting for a call now for a bit i thought we were like on 105 or something i i i just you, you said like okay we'll wrap it up and we'll, we'll see you next week but that was like maybe two three years ago so i'm just wondering what happens oh man i've grown a beard i've grayed i've grayed since oh my then. god <laughs> you look terrific. You're glowing. I'm so happy to see you. I, I, I wish my arms were Mr. Fantastic Long so that I could hug you all the way from yes, Tampa. Uh, yes. I have a bone to pick with you, sir, though. Only last, one. Last I, I left the situation, this was a, 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 a audio medium. This was a radio program, you know, because of our faces. And <laughs> Lo and behold, I find out, oh, no, 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 no. It's not as simple as just you just come on and talk. Now the people have to see you. I, can, you can, I can't see you. You can see me. This is very weird. This is very disconcerting. It's the young people's world, man. When we started this, it was a podcasting game. But now those Gen Zers, they want to see your face. They expect you to live stream. They're on this Twitch thing I keep I hearing know. about. Back when we were younger, if you, if you were on Twitch, that you were doing meth. <laughs> My sound effects board doesn't have the, the yeah. shot. I'm Where's, sorry. What happened? What happened? We had a, we had a keyboard. It was so low tech. It was so nice before oh the God. glitz and the glamour of all this. Before red <laughs> backdrops and everything. I'm like, my, I don't have a backdrop. My backdrop. Which way am I looking? This is a mirror. Uh, my <laughs> backdrop is I have added uh, sort of slyly a few Metallica Funko Pops. Uh, where my wife's decor is usually yeah. because uh, downstairs, well, really all over the house, my wife is uh, in charge. So uh, <laughs> I took out some of the witchy stuff and just put a little tiny bit of me. <laughs> and we love every bit of you we can get. So speaking of the old days, I want to get started with this particular thing. This was Lauren's okay. idea, and it's a particularly good idea. Lauren, hop in here for a second, if you could. Hey, our, our Our producer, hey, Lauren. Lauren. You told us, Lauren, that in preparation for our big episode 300, you have put together a Break the Business trivia game for us. Tell Just us a little, a little bit about little this. Sure. I, I figured it was a good time to uh, go back and remind you of how much you don't remember. Okay. Uh, just Ooh. because... It seems like it's time for a refresher course. We've been through a yeah. lot, and uh, I think I'd like to see uh, how much you guys remember. I, and I'm going to say you guys, because cool. Dave, you were here. 
Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's cool. But now let me ask you, do you know who the host's going to host this? Um, or are you as the executive producer of the show going to host this? And then in a few weeks, we'll find out that you said terrible things. About the questions <laughs> for the, the <laughs> trivia? <laughs> or just that you have skeletons in your past, and then That's next right. week, Maya Bialik will be here That's producing right. the show. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not asking me questions about me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, I'm putting this all on you guys. Yeah. So this is you're asking us questions of six years of break the business history, 300 episodes. Uh, I should mention before we get into the uh, questions coming up later in the show, we do have a guest this week, Ari Winokur. He's the head of music for Artlist, great platform that helps uh, artists get into creative licensing, sets up stock music and licensing solutions for creators. Really great stuff, and indie creators should get into it. So that's coming up in the middle of the show. But first, to trivia, let's hear it. Trivia. I want to hear how much I've forgotten about my own show. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, I wanted to start with just a simple time-related question. Uh, those of you who've been following us for a while know that we are now on XM Radio, channel 145, which puts us into a very strict woo, uh, one-hour time slot. But prior to that, we did not have a restriction on the running time of our shows. So I'm wondering if you recall what the longest Break the Business podcast was and how oh long it ran. God. <laughs> First of all, I totally forgot you were on Slam Radio. I'm serious. So, <laughs> so I just got a little bit more nervous now. Thank you. Congratulations, Dave. That's this is your great. serious XM debut. That's great. Woo. Yes. We're right next to Howard Stern, right? We're a 102. That's right. Okay, Absolutely. yeah. yeah, yeah. He's uh, actually coming I, on after Ori Winokur. Oh, so. good. Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Baba Booey. Um, <laughs> I think, because I remember there were times we went long. I also remember if you were, I had a knack of predicting what the time was, like with pretty good accuracy. But I want to say like an hour 47 minutes was our longest. Ryan, Ooh. you want to chime in? Okay. Are we counting the eight hour telethon? No, because okay. that is actually not listed as an episode. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, I don't think we went an hour 47. That seems way too, like I would not have wanted to podcast that long willingly. It couldn't have been more than 90 minutes. I'm going to say 90 minutes. You were both under. Okay, I had a, did we, did we hit a two hour mark once? No way. Your longest show was two hours and four minutes long. And that Gross. was another big milestone for us. That was episode 100. Oh. oh, okay. That's fair. That was a big one. We did a lot of cool stuff. We had like Kevin Bruner from CD Baby popped in. A whole bunch of people sent messages. I think it was a fundraiser too. All right. All right. That was justified to be a feature length podcast episode. Now on the polar opposite end of that, uh, what do you think the shortest Break the Business podcast episode ever was? Now, you have to remember there was that period of time where Dave left you, and uh, instead in of cold, crying on the, cold, the yeah. air, you just cut all the fun stuff and just interviewed. <laughs> so you may want to think about that section of time. Oh, my God. Yeah, I had some really short episodes for a stretch. I honestly remember thinking, why is he still doing this? <laughs> What's the point? How else we were going to get to episode 300? You I know, know, right? Yeah. Like Jonathan Mann, we, we have a song of his coming up later in the show. He's the Guinness World Record holder for most consecutive days making a song. You think every single one of those songs was like six minutes long? No, he probably turned in a few like 30 second jams so he could keep the streak going. How else are you going to get to 300? I'm I bet the shortest seven. one. Go ahead. Sorry, you go, go ahead. First. You first. No, you go, you go. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, 14 minutes. 
That seems almost too short. I'll say 17 minutes. Now, you did have a number ranging around the 15-minute mark, but your shortest episode ever was a whopping 11 minutes long. <laughs> it's a pamphlet. There, it's there's the pamphlet no way I podcasts. even had a guest that week. What did I do? I just like came on. I was like, I got nothing for you. See you next week, everybody. Oh, wait, that was the wrong thing. <laughs> it was saying. episode yeah. 215. You did interview, but that was all you did was interview. It was a, a quick in and out, and thank you. We'll see you next week. Wow. Don't say who the guest was. I don't want to embarrass them. Because yeah, clearly we I wasn't there. excited about that interview. I, I still remember the guest that I, when I had uh, did a solo show where you were gone. And I remember the, the person that I had and just how I was like, I was, I wish it was 11 <laughs> minutes. So that was actually going to be my next question. Oh, you know, okay. So episodes got really short when you abandoned us because you know without you ryan didn't know what to do with himself for a while but do you remember the first show that ryan wasn't on well i i guess it was me when i interviewed um i probably shouldn't say the name then uh i because I, I do remember it and uh it was it must have been it was when you moved into your new it was in your house no was it yes it was in your house yeah, that you're currently in. So yes, was that 2016? Is that 2016? You moved in there, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I I can't remember what number it was. Maybe in the 70s or 80s. But <laughs> I felt like I was drowning the whole time, and I was happy for it to be over. And I've every once in a while Googled the the person that I was interviewing and what they were working on, and none of it ever came to fruition. Oh, I, that mean, I can't believe episode... I left you alone to do a music industry interview. You left him alone on episode 47. I w this was oh, when wow. I was in China, right? And Right. You went out of the country and you left Dave and Dave decided <laughs> like that meant it was a free for all, including if anybody wants to go to our podcast page and read his bio. He got to write the whole description on the podcast, which he took way more fun having. He was like, ha ha ha, it's Dave. And I was oh, like, oh, Lord. It's fun. You should go back and check it out. I'm going to do it uh, right now. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Uh, so I'm here and I'm saying hi to you guys and you guys haven't really seen me since the live stream is here. But prior to seeing me, I did make an appearance on Break the Business prior to this. Do you remember the first time that I was ever on Break the Business with you? you Just for clarification, who are you again? I'm his sister. <laughs> Other than the telethon. Oh, way before that, sir. Oh, really? I don't remember. I, I'm sorry, okay. Lauren. I don't right. remember. There, no, there was a week where Dave was out and Lauren mm -hmm. filled in as a guest co-host. I remember mm -hmm. this. And that is the entirety of the detail I remember. This is like an episode like 22 or something. Episode 14. I have oh. been around since uh, early on. We interviewed Little Hurricane, if you remember the band. I, from, uh, that was a great band. <laughs> they were wonderful. I want to know what they're up to. I enjoyed that band We a should lot. follow up with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the ever-continuing saga of Dave abandoning us, um, <laughs> when Dave abandoned us. Have you guys, realized... like, seen a therapist over this? <laughs> this show is our therapy, sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so we uh, we realized you needed some help and didn't like being on alone. So we've gone through a series of co-hosts. Do you remember the first guest host 
that came on, not a permanent host, but do you remember the first guest host you ever had on Break the Business? I actually do know this one, maybe. Guest I... host. <laughs> it, it was it was Ashley Curvabon and Katie Zaccardi from Women Crush Music, right? I was just going to say that. Long, long, long before that. What? Uh, JC, Evan, Elisa. Evan, Elisa, Evan and Elisa. Your first guest host was on episode nine. And Evan came in to fill in for Dave because it was Dave's birthday. And he oh. decided that meant he didn't have to come do a show with us. Oh, I see. I thought you were saying like the first person who filled in for me. What year was that? Well, oh, was that, that 2015? Dave. Dave would yeah. definitely be the so first person. That was 2015? So we made it nine whole episodes before Dave was like skipping out on co-hosting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's oh, okay. Cool. So, well, except... I was in frickin' Yosemite celebrating my 30th birthday, okay? I was doing something for me, all right? I had been through some stuff, okay? I don't know if we're allowed to swear now because we're on Sirius X and Radio, so I'm going to, like, you know, keep it clean. Um, but I had gone through some things, and I wanted to take care of myself. And your, your dad's cabana wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> we loved our time back there. We did. That was um, really great. A, a, a non-air-conditioned hellhole. Oh my god, it was so hot. We had to turn the air off because the air conditioning yeah. would pick up on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Look, sound quality is and far more important than in your the comfort. event that I'm my dad's saying. listening right now. What I meant to say was thank you for giving us the free recording space for the first year and a half of our <laughs> podcast. I love you very much. He's he's not listening. You think he's listening? Episode three hundred, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So I am going to take a little detour away from the podcast because we did discuss this was not an actual episode. It didn't count in your 300. I looked. Okay. Uh, but we did, during the COVID-19 pandemic, put together a charity uh, or a fundraiser for a wonderful music charity called Sweet Relief. And uh, we brought in a lot of indie creators who shared their time and uh, help express themselves during this troubling time. Do you remember how much money the independent music artists made for the Sweet Relief Foundation? This whole event is burned into my memory, <laughs> not because of the amount of money we raised, which is wonderful, but because of the profound amount of shame I had to endure to raise that money. And I believe it, in it involved me dressing up in a hot dog costume and getting pied in the face. Letting me uh, douse you with whipped cream pie. Yeah, that was quite fun. To the extent that if you Google me, what comes up? <laughs> not my law firm picture in a suit and a tie. Not me swearing into the California bar or the Florida bar. No, it's me in a damn hot dog costume. Thanks a lot, Internet. But it was all worth it because we raised exactly $4,000. And Yay! that was so cool. Yeah, that was awesome. And uh, we want to thank all of those artists who did help us do that. Uh, now, going all the way, all the way, all the way back to the beginning, do you remember who our very first guest was on Break the Business? Oh, Dave. I'm going to let Dave field this one because you it's, were there. It, 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 I was there. And it's interesting. I kind of I'm going back and forth between two people that stick out for some reasons. Just there was uh, J.P. Kaleo. And I think he was from Finland, right? I yeah. love him. He's great. And also um, Mary Amber, who was from Australia. She was um, the she was cool. She had like the the like the Doctor Who inspired um, songs and everything. She was like really comic booky and everything. I know she came back on. I know. I feel like she's probably if and maybe I'm skipping ahead. Another question. I feel like she's probably the the guest with the most appearances on the show. 
Probably. I feel that like was one of my questions, and I couldn't keep track between the Marys, <laughs> and I was like, I quit. Oh, that's true, because it's also Mary Jennings, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I am going to say Mary Amber, final answer. Whoa! Yeah. I, I was waiting for my cheers and my applause, and uh, I wanted to be excited, because Mary Amber is hanging out with us here tonight from uh, she is. Australia, where it's not the same time as here. <laughs> I'm so grateful to Mary Amber. I I was telling Lauren about this yesterday, how she was willing to be the guest on this program back when, like, she was the only indie creator I knew at the time. Because I had just started, like, really practicing law in this area. And she was, like, the only person I knew in this space that I I was talking with regularly. And this podcast didn't even exist. And she was willing to be the first guest on something just by virtue of me asking her. And so I'm forever grateful to that because if she didn't say yes to that first episode, I probably would have just scrapped the whole project from the beginning. It it just would have been two idiots talking. That's right. (laughs) Instead, it was two idiots talking and an incredibly talented independent Mm -hmm. artist entrepreneur who, by the way... Yeah, I was going to say, not only is she an incredible artist who has stuck with us the entirety of these 300 episodes and made a number of appearances, she sent us a lovely gift for our 300th episode. I'm not sure if you guys know this. Uh, Mary Amber has sent us an original song and a music video to accompany it. So if both of you are all right, our wonderful fans would like to uh, see this wonderful video sent to us by our very first guest, Mary Amber. Let's do it. All right. They line the blank slates up Give them drums and voices Butter them all up And sell them artist choices And if they work hard Fill their canvases with paint Pay their dues and say What they need to say Then someday soon They'll be on the big stage The way They can't paint out the lines The men in suits, they have to like it There's algorithms and AI That can take their art and hide it And if they build their fortress on the rug that they've given Then they won't have no support when it gets pulled from under them Cause in this magic new world where everyone can claim their place It doesn't take much for someone to be replaced It's getting harder to keep them quiet The walls are weaker And they can fight us They've taken over All they can take Now chained in paper trails they get pushed in dingy holes they get buried under code they get brainwashed to conform but as they wake up more and more every day peek behind the curtain 
and start to see the game. They can lift each other out of the pit that they're in. Stand together and break the system. It's getting harder to keep them quiet. The walls are weaker and they can fight it. They take it over. All they can take. Now it's the business that needs to break. Fantastic. Mary Amber, everybody. God, don't you wish you were as good at anything as Mary Amber is at everything? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I also, that, that, that was really, it's kind of like, it's also Easter egg hunt. You know, she had the, um, the Doctor Who guitar back there on the rack, and she also had the Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban guitar strap. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. That was, I, I, I like that. Nice little touches. I dig it. I dig it. And, the song is great for a bunch of reasons. One, it's it's an absolute jam. Like I was like, you know, headbanging out to it, you know, to the extent that I can because I'm not nearly yeah. as cool about a rock guy as you are. But I love the content of the song because I think it epitomizes like how I've kind of shifted in my philosophy toward helping indie creators over the years. You know this, Dave. When we started this show, it was all like, how do we hate on the record companies this week? How do we get artists free of the labels, right? Right. And yep. and in a weird way, we've kind of been successful because over the last five years, more and more artists are going independent, are running away from labels. Mm -hmm. But what has wound up happening is they've left the exploitation of labels for the exploitation of tech platforms like Twitch and Facebook ah. that are taking all their money. And that's like what, what's, what Mary's singing about in the song. It, I hate to say it because it's going to be so much work for me, but it kind of makes me want to write another book. About like now, this is the thing we have to fight. There's a well, new, you know. new edition. You need, a, you need a second edition because the first edition came out uh, what six years ago? Six now? years ago, yeah. Six years, yeah. But I mean, no, it's it's it was a great song that she did. You know, I think, and definitely the message that you know, uh, the corporate guys, the guys in suits, the guys in button down uh, dress shirts, you can't trust them. <laughs> I see. Pat Cat Amber writes, "Do it." New book time. <laughs> Do you people know how hard it is to write a book? <laughs> There's a reason why there wasn't a sequel to I don't, I don't know. It seems pretty easy, dude. There's like a lot of books. <laughs> There's literally hundreds of books that have been published. Hundreds. At least hundreds. Yes. At least. Yes, at least. Yeah. All right. We have so much more great stuff to come. Do not go anywhere. We got more songs. We got more interviews. We got more segments. And we have a tremendous interview with Ori Whitaker. Was that? I said, yes, yeah, stay right there. Whatever you're doing, you're in the car, you're on the treadmill, you're doing laundry, stay right there. Don't move. All right. All right. Ori Winokur coming up now on Break the Business.
Our guest this week is the head of music for Artlist, an Israel-based creative licensing company that specializes in stock music licensing. Artlist emphasizes a high standard of curation in its selection of material for licensing and endeavors to provide fair payments to artists. You can find out more about his work by visiting www.artlist.io. We are happy to welcome Ori Winokur on a break the business. Hi, Ori. Hi, everybody. Very happy to be here. Happy to have you here. I've become increasingly fascinated with this area. I feel like stock music has completely changed in the last couple decades, and it's gone from sort of something that we sort of just kind of see as an afterthought, you know, that music mm -hmm. we hear in elevators or when we're waiting on hold for something. But now it's grown into a, a real revenue stream for indie creators. A lot yes. of indie creators are getting into this space, and so I'm becoming endlessly fascinated by it. But let's start with sort of a basic idea to get everybody on the same page here. My first question is, what do we mean when we talk about stock music? What is stock music? Yeah, so I first I, I kind of have to stop and say that I don't like the term stock music, and I think it doesn't describe what it is anymore in, in the year 2020 and beyond. Oh, please At educate least. me. What, what term um, should I be using? I think it's just about music and creators and the creator economy, which is basically today comprised of video creators and musicians mainly. And it's mainly about connecting those two ends together. And I think stock music is, is a term that was basically invented when, when it was really more about stock because companies like record labels used to have a parallel business where they would record simpler kind of music that would be much more uh, appropriate for background, like you said, like the elevator music, as uh, we used to call it. And then it's more like a stock because it's a library with lots of music and you can find what you're looking for inside that stock. And I think Artlist really marks a very big difference in, in this space. Um, first and foremost, because uh, I think we were, the, I'm, I'm sure we were the first in the world to have library music, as you call it, but with artists on front. So when you visit our, our platform and our catalog, you see the musicians that made the music and it's like a Spotify profile, more than a, more than a library site or platform. And you can compare it and you can see most other libraries or older school libraries is more like a list of songs. Oh yeah, no, it just keeps going on forever and there's yeah, no way you can tell them apart. And there's no artistic identity. And, and I think if you want to understand where the big change happened, it started in the big shift in the video industry or video world where very similar to the revolution of digital music. I think similar stuff happened with video, but it's even actually more widespread because today every person is a video creator of some sort. Even if you're just, you know, a little girl using TikTok, you're already a video creator at that point. And I think what most musicians still are kind of getting to know that in this new age of video and understanding that video is not what it used to be and it's so widespread in terms of there are so many people making videos and so many different kinds of videos and music is an integral part of every video made ever in history right like soundtrack is a major part of video so when it used to be the older school industry so it would be a tv show that would either get a composer or musician to like make a soundtrack for that film or that tv show or they would license very specific songs that they would need direct that they would want directly. So, you know, like Nike wanted Beatles Revolution, so they would pay tons of money to get that placed on their commercial, but it was like buying a brand more than anything else. And then you had the rest was what you call stock music or library music, because that was for all the little stuff 
that weren't part of the other two options we just discussed. And I think what really changed is that the new age of video creators is not necessarily super professionals, but they're much, much more open artistically. And there's so many kinds of videos. I mean, check out what's going on on YouTube. You know, there's a video channel for basically any topic in the world. You know, one of the biggest, most successful YouTube channels is an un unboxing channel where somebody just opens up new merch and new tech, you know? And so there's such a huge variety of, of videos going on. So the soundtrack world changed because, you know, video creators want different music. And I think best way to describe it is like, you know, a lot of video creators today are even using the music as the front of their video, almost like a video clip. So they would want the most, you know, branded top end, best quality produced song that would sound like any other song on the radio. And I think that's the main shift that kind of, you know, it's not stock music. We definitely don't do stock music at Artlist. Uh, our entire philosophy is all about the curation of high, high quality music and the good matching between what the video creator is looking for to the right musician and to the right track. And that's what it's really all about, if you ask me today. So it's in many ways the absolute opposite of stock. It's about finding the exact best uh, match for what you need as a video creator. I dig this. And let's get more into this curation concept that you brought up, because we touched upon this a little bit earlier in your answer about how when you go into most of these library services, it can just seem paralyzing in the amount of choices you have. It's True. just this long list of songs just going down, down, like you can you know, click a button to show you a hundred choices, a thousand choices, and maybe it'll say something like uh, style of song, happy, sad. But if I'm a licensee of music, I have no way of distinguishing what might exactly. work for my project, and I'm not an expert in music. Mm -hmm. So if your platform emphasizes curation, how do you change the experience for licensees to yeah. make it easier to find the right song? Great, great question, first of all, and I totally understand what you're saying. And I think we approached building our platform as a tool. So the way we see it, we parts of our companies companies busy busy doing or producing and creating great music and signing great artists but the other other end is you know creating the best tool for the video creators to find what they're looking for and the way we built our uh, of course there are some things i can't really detail but in general we built it as a multi-tag and multi-search uh, tool and we tag the music very, very deeply with basically many, many layers of, of data behind every song. So if a video creator enters, enters the platform, you can filter by a few specified categories we have, which are mood, video team, genre and instrument. And we just added the feature of, of research. So you can even just go into Artlist and write Charlie Chaplin and you would get Charlie Chaplin like songs, for example, huh. or you can write the Beatles and you will get 60s Beatles sounding songs which is an incredible new tool we just launched uh, about two months ago. But even without that, we basically, we approach the whole platform as a tool. So for example, the categorization by video team is a great tool for a video creator that's not very music knowledgeable because you know a video creator can go into the platform and say, I'm, I'm making a food video and I want acoustic rock. And he would immediately find songs that fit all of these uh, parameters in one in one long list, which he can preview very easily, and I think that's what made the big difference with Artlist. That it's you know we we're user first oriented company. 
The company was established. Our CEO is a video creator that had a hard time finding music for his videos. And of course, there's the more artistic side. And then there's the more legal side, which I'm sure you're going to ask about soon, uh, which is our very special universal license that we provide, which also gave a great solution for this, uh, this age of modern age of video creators. Yeah, the licensing side of this is really important. And it can be very confusing, right? It's, I don't know yes. how it is in Israel, in the United States. It can be confusing. Do I need a performance license? Do I need a yes, synchronization license? Can I use this license for other projects? Since you brought mm -hmm. it up, let me ask you, how does your platform simplify, which as a lawyer, I can tell you, is a very, very complicated, complicated process, this copyright yeah. piece? Uh, so I'll try to divide my answer to two. Um, first of all, as you described, the world of royalties and copyrights is very, very complex, and it's actually also go undergoing major changes, I think, because the major change that happened is that the consumption of content became global, while the entire mechanism of copyrights in the world is very geographic. So you would have BMI collecting in the US, and you would have PRS collecting in the UK, but then today you can post a song or a video with a song from anywhere in the world and it would be viewed by anywhere in the world audience. So uh, it's it's very complicated and, and we are seeing a lot of things, you know, changing in that era, in that area. Uh, and I think the world is kind of pushing hard for a more global mechanism to control copyrights. Um, but to be honest, I mean, I think the main main confusion starts with the term royalty free which makes yes. it sound like it's there's no royalties added yes. to the license. But it's actually, I think, the be, it took me a long time to kind of narrow it down to how to explain it easily. But I think the main confusion is between royalty-free to copyright-free. So royalty-free music is not copyright-free because it still has musicians and songwriters that created that music and they still own the copyright for those songs. The term royalty-free basically means that when you license the song, the terms of the license are not uh, are not preset in a way that might, you know, entail additional royalties um, when you broadcast or, or make different uses of the song. And and I think another very important point to remember is that a royalty-free license is licensed to use. It's not necessarily licensed to broadcast. And what what does that mean? It means we provide our user which who is normally a video creator, the right to use a specific song in his video. Uh, and he pays a subscription to Artlist and Artlist pays out royalties to the creators of the music. That doesn't mean that there's not gonna be any additional royalties charged for this use. It depends on where and how it's gonna be broadcasted. And those royalties are basically, um, are, are paid by the broadcaster and not by the person who used the actual song. So I think that's the main, main, main difference on, on how it used to be, you know, because it used to be that licensing was very direct, very specific. So you would give a song to be used in a specific video for a specific amount of time for a specific territory. Uh, and then you would have additional royalties for any additional use or view and so on. And royalty free basically means you can use the song in your video. You're allowed, sorry, <laughs> you're allowed to broadcast it, but it doesn't, totally clear any royalty collection from those broadcasters uh, and uses. Yeah, royalty-free is one of those really misunderstood terms, particularly for music licensees who don't uh, understand a lot about copyright law. 
And so mm-hmm. I appreciate you demystifying it a bit. And I appreciate <laughs> platforms that try to make that whole process a lot simpler. For the artists out there who are watching this or listening to this and are seeing the potential benefit of mm-hmm. wanting to create music for these licensing process projects, for these uh, for these video projects, for platforms like Artlist, do you have any advice on these artists on how to get started? How do you make great music for services like yours? So again, I think here it's very similar to what we just discussed. It's really about, first of all, about making great music. It's not about making soundtrack music anymore. And mm-hmm. I can tell you honestly, some of our most successful songs on the platform could be an R Spotify hits and radio hits as well at the same time. Um, so that's one important thing to remember. Um, and again, for us, um, if I can say one big artistic kind of tip that I can definitely tell you is very, very relevant to video is that the songs that do well are songs with very strong mood. Like you can really listen to the song and say, okay, this song makes me feel something very specific and well-defined because a lot of the indie music is a bit more scattered. So it would have a few different emotions (laughs) or it would be kind of unclear. And I think video creators today really want the music to uplift their video. So if they want a powerful song, it has to feel powerful all the way. And I think that's something, you know, coming from the music industry and producing records for many, many years, um, it's kind of, it's funny because the mood is very, the emotion, emotional side of music is very, very important, but it's very rarely discussed when producing a song. Like musicians would very rarely say, listen, I, this song should be 100% powerful and all those little things that are disturbing that mood. You would never hear that sentence, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, video creators are, are not musicians normally, and they really look for the, the very clear emotion to be added to their video. So that's more on their artistic level. On the on the other side of things, on the more uh, business side of things, so I, I think I should tell you a little bit about what we're doing at Artlist so people can understand. But um, basically, I started my journey at Artlist uh, three years ago. And I established Artlist Original, which is the original music production division of the company. Um, it started out very small. Today, it's a huge operation. We're producing a thousand songs a year with over 200 different artists around the world. And I can honestly tell you, any style goes if we know how to fit it into the catalog and we then know how to basically uh, promote it properly to our users. So we did everything from classic Indian music to cutting edge pop and trap and rock and whatever you can imagine. And of course, cinematic, classical and all that stuff as well. Uh, It's really the widest range of music genres you can imagine. So there's not like one thing you can do that would make you better for this kind of sinking world. And I think, um, you know, there's trends going on everywhere, just like there's music trends, there's video trends, and then there's soundtrack trends as well. And I think if you follow the main creators, like the biggest creators in the world, um, which on YouTube, it's kind of easy to find the most trending channels, for example, you would also hear what's the most trending soundtrack. And I think good musicians can kind of tap into that world. Um, I can honestly say on on the artistic side, it's a lot about, again, like we said, strong mood, um, some sort of video orientation where the song still have leaves room for, for the footage to be part of it. And I think that's kind of almost a natural thing for, for newer age musicians because they already imagine the video as part of what they're doing when they create music. So that's actually, I think, 
really a basic thing today. Um, I think I can quote Leo Cohen, who, was the, who is the global head of YouTube Music. I think he said it uh, in an interview recently really well. He said it used to be an audio business, you know, in 60s, 70s, 80s. Then it became an audiovisual business when MTV came in and everybody wanted to do video clips. And today it's more like a visual audio business because the visual world is stronger than anything. So, you know, if you read about what drives most of the streams on, on Spotify, it's social networks, especially TikTok in the TikTok, past two yeah. years. And TikTok is all about video, you know? So video is kind of the main driving force behind the creator economy, I think. And it's in the main part of it. Music is kind of set aside a little bit. Um, but I look at it as a great, a great progression, actually, and a great uh, evolution of, of, this, of this industry. That's it. I'm fascinated by the point you brought up on that answer about how if you're going to create music for this medium, it's important to kind of be more unequivocal about what emotion you're trying to convey in the song because video makers are looking for a particular emotion in their song. I'm almost wondering if that's going to shift music because a lot of the music that's breaking today now are on platforms like TikTok and TikTok creators are usually looking for one specific emotion to match the tone of their video. So I wonder if you're going to start to see a lot more music. I think you already are. To, yeah. You already are. If you're listening to the modern pop, I think it's, first of all, much more minimal than it used to be. And it definitely has to do with video because the more minimal the song is, more kind of leftover space for the footage to be on top of, of that song. And you definitely hear it if you're following the pop, new pop songs would be much more minimal than it used to be. Uh, Billie Eilish, of course, is a great, great example that yeah. most people know. <laughs> she brought a lot, of, and what she, and by the way, she also brought, I guess, for me, the darkest pop sound ever. And again, it's very clear, dark sounding music. So you would press play, and you immediately feel a very strong mood. And the other thing that I can tell you that is also very interesting that I think was definitely driven from the TikTok culture, if you can call it like that, I guess, is that the the, the um, standard pop form of of verse chorus verse chorus is not necessarily the thing anymore because at the end of the day it's all about hooks because 15 second videos yeah. on youth on a tiktok or on instagram st stories is what most people are really looking for so they need that little hook that's you know in 15 seconds you get it and it won't leave your head and then you see some of the biggest pop songs today are not in the normal kind of classical structure I think I read an incredible article about it. I think it was from the New York Times that really analyzed what happened to the structure of pop songs in the past few decades. And it's really interesting because you see how the consumption culture changes the way the content is being created. You know, it's and by the way, it was always like that. I mean, for me, it's like when you hear a 70s record, you can definitely feel or understand that the artist imagined somebody putting on a vinyl and sitting next to his vinyl player and, and listening to the record like that and i think most pop artists today are you know they're still in somewhere in their mind they're saying how is it going to go viral on tiktok so it sounds more like that as well you know absolutely our guest has been ari winokur he is the head of music at artlist you can find out more about his work by visiting www.artlist.io we got about a minute left, Ari, but I want to ask you our final question because I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm particularly excited to hear your answer to this. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, I think um, 
adopt to the fact that it's a much faster paced world, um, you know, and, and feel free, more free releasing your music and uh, try to make smaller events happening and not necessarily aim for the big album release once every two years. I think it's really a different economy today, a different ecosystem. And the more you move forward and do things, you would be more noticeable. And sometimes, you know, a song can really surprise and become a big success and drive many more users to your, your profiles. And I think with, you know, in relation to our discussion, be open to connect to the entire digital ecosystem, which today includes mainly video. If you ask me, it's going to go into newer boundaries like VR and stuff like that, which are probably musicians are going to be very afraid to enter. But I think if one thing you can say is that you can't stop progress and just try to go with it. And I see the creators that are going with it are more successful. Uh, and of course, but still always be true to yourself. And I think it's a more accepting world than ever. You know, it's more open than it ever used to be, but it's still overflown. So I think the more you, you find your voice and be more brave with the way you act and do business, you'll be more successful. Great, great stuff. And I'm with you on the VR piece. I'm, I'm a bit of a <laughs> yeah. VR fan myself. I have my Oculus and I love watching shows in VR. I love the way that music in VR interacts. There's definitely a lot of potential there. Ari, Absolutely. this has been a treat. Thank you so much for being on this. I'm here. My honor. Thank you very much, Ryan. And we'll be right back on Break the Business. Welcome back, everybody. Ari Winokur was our guest. You can find out more about his work by visiting www.artlist.io. Sort of telling us, Dave, about this new world we're in in the music space where um, you know, artists are changing the way they make music to fit these platforms like TikTok. They're being more unified about their themes. They are uh, being more unequivocal about the emotion they're conveying. They're abandoning the verse, chorus, verse, chorus format. Really interesting stuff. Hang on. Dave, what are you doing? Well, I it, I hate to do this on the air. It's it's tacky, I know, but I'm just... I was, talking talking to my agent. I was talking to my agent because, you know, I did this for free for so long and I just feel like, you know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, come on, come on, come on. It's time that the, the, the great, the free train was long enough. Let's go. It's been six years since you wrote the book. I'm sure there's how many millions have come in, you know, deals with Sirius XM. I think I saw you on the main stage at Lollapalooza. Let's let, let's go. Come on, come Dave, on. I've been sending you checks every week to your place in Miami. Are you not getting these or? I don't live in Miami anymore. Oh God. And and I canceled all those checks. Oh, that that sucks. That that really that's that's rough, it's, man. You know what's terrible? It's just you're not taking like money out of my pocket and food out of my mouth. You're taking food out of his mouth. Oh God, it's a dog! Oh, hey, Joe. Hey. Look at that dog. You, you Here, should know let's, that. Let's uh, get your numbers up. Let's get the numbers up. Let's get a lot of. Let's get a lot of streams right absolutely. now. Absolutely. This is Ruffy. This is Ruffy. Some of the best highlights of our live stream are when dogs and cats show up. That is a cute dog, Dave. Thank you. Yes. All right, uh, Dave. One of my favorite things. Oh, here come all the comments. Doggo, dog. <laughs> One of my favorite things about having you as the co-host is all the characters you do. I love Canada Dave. I think the, the, the old school fans might remember Movie Dave 
and Delaware Dave and all these different characters. I loved every single one of them. I know you said you were going to do one of your characters this week. I just ask that the only character I don't want you to do is Dave's Metal Minute, Dave, this metal news segment you used to do, because that guy was really mean to me. And, like, the fans really loved Metal Dave, but, like, he was mean to me. And, you know, this is my 300th episode, so I figured you wouldn't, like, do that this week, right? I would never do that to you. I would never. Now it's time for Dave's Metal Minute on the Break the Business Podcast. Yeah! That is right! It is time to once again open the gates of hell and ride across the plains of Valhalla and terrorize the non-believers. Like you, Ryan. It is I, Metal Dave. And I have not done this voice in quite some time, which is why I've been drinking nothing but tea. Soothes the throat. <laughs> what kind of tea does Metal Dave drink? Only the most metal, Ryan. Chamomile. It, it, it would have been better if I said black. Black tea. Yeah, you want to take that one again? Yeah. Don't worry, or, we're not live or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask me. Ask me. Ask me. What kind of tea do you drink, Metal Dave? Black tea. That's good. We'll use that one, boss. Silence, Ryan! You do not tell me what it takes to use or not. <laughs> All right. Everybody's happy to hear from Metal Dave. I'm not, but I guess you have some metal news for us this week. I do. Riot out of Canada! One of the most metal countries around, eh? <laughs> Idiots reign supreme. I'll tell you why, Ryan. <laughs> Parents at a Canadian school have launched a petition calling for the removal of its principal, an ardent Iron Maiden fan, who allegedly shared photos of herself paying homage to the group. The concerned parents say the post-affiliation to Iron Maiden demonstrates satanic imagery. Ryan's satanic panic is back! And oh. it's not even 1983! Sharon Burns is the is the principal, Ryan. The metal, absolute awesome principal. Sharon Burns, you keep doing what you're doing. It's in St. Catharines, Ontario at Eden High School. Which, if you know your history, folks, the devil does make an appearance in Eden. Oh, there you go. So I'm a little off with the sound effects. It's harder to do it over. It's been three conference. years, Ryan. No one expects us to be perfect. That was actually quite affirming of you, Metal Dave. Support, my brother, support. Anyway, Ryan, these idiot parents, these morons, if you will, had a petition of about 500 people to remove her. Yeah. But the good news is, Ryan, a counter-petition was signed with over 15,000 supporting Principal Burns. That's awesome. So is she going to stay in the job? Absolutely. Yeah. That's so metal. Ryan, I wish I had a principal like that when I was at my Catholic all-boys school. I'm sure you did. <sighs> yes, but instead a kid got in trouble for playing System of Down on the morning news. <laughs> Ryan, it is, it's 2021. There's a lot of stuff going on, but people are still thinking that Iron Maiden and metal music 
equals devil worship? What the bleeping bleep is going on? Appreciate the self-bleeping for our friends at SiriusXM. You bleeping got it, you bleep. <laughs> Next story, Ryan! Ryan, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but a killer virus has been spreading around the world! Uh, vaguely familiar, yes. It's one of the reasons why we just well, live streamed now. You're so busy with your, your twitching and your twatching, all of your, 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 your platforms, whether they be for music or, or jumping on like Mario. That was a joke for platform gaming, you bastard. Oh, I, I see what you did there. Okay, platforms, got yeah, it. Uh, it's got three years to really show us. Anyway! It's quite a turn of phrase metal, Dave. Silence! Ryan, Ozzy Osbourne credits his not getting COVID-19 to the devil. As he said, my wife had the virus, my daughter had the virus, and I never got it. Being a devil worshiper does have its good points. Oh my God. Asterisk, he's, he's joking, of course. He got a vaccine because, you know, he's smart. And, and Ryan, I'd like to point out that here in hell, we all believe in vaccination, okay? In hell? Satan? Yes, uh, uh, Ryan, it's hell, okay? It's not Texas. <laughs> Give us some credit, damn it. <laughs> Lauren, our producer, fell out of her chair. Born in Texas, by the way, our producer. Yeah. <laughs> Silence! This is, that's a non sequitur. It's not relevant. You were born in Ohio for some reason. I was not born. I lived in Ohio. That was quite a vocabulary for Metal Dave non sequitur. Anyway, right, but just, you know, yes, everyone. Ozzy, you know, was joking. He didn't worship Satan to not get the virus. You know, he probably quarantined, wore a mask, and got the vaccination. Kids out there, get that shot. That way you could go out, have some fun, enjoy live music, maybe even be a member of a live audience in, in Ryan's show. I think, Ryan, that's the only reason that there's not been a live audience to break the business is a pandemic. That's is that right. right? That's yeah, right. We'd, ha we'd, be, we'd have like 20,000 people watching this live in, in some arena, of course. So, Not to force you along here, Metal Dave, we only have a few minutes left, and I want to oh, make sure we get clock. to all your stories. Ryan, the final story is Metal Dave's going to be a dad! Oh! Yeah! My wife is 14 weeks along. The only way it would be more metal than she was 666 weeks. That would be very post-term, though. That's my time! <laughs> now it's time for Dave's Metal Oh, my goodness. It still never had an outro. It's just the ending. I'm sorry I went too long. And now my voice. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to be in court until Monday. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Dave, uh, for bringing that back into our lives. Everybody's all smiles. The comments are rolling in. Everyone's a fan of Metal Dave. How's your throat doing, buddy? It, it'll it'll be okay. I'm sure my wife will be like, why do you sound like that? I'll tell her why. She'll be like, oh, my God, you're so stupid. But, it, <clears> dude, <throat> it was awesome to be back here. It was really fun. It, was, it went by a lot faster than I thought. Like, it seriously, it, it, this used to be interminable back then but now this is it's just it's it's it just really it, it moves it moves oh, oh 
it's been really wonderful doing this with you, man. And I am so thankful to you. Like you, those early months of break the business where nobody really knew what we were doing. Like the only reason I kept doing it every week is I got to hang out with my buddy on the podcast and you'd make me laugh every week. And so I'm amazing. so grateful to you, man. I know, dude, but 300 shows and this is the last one. It's been a great ride. <laughs> what? I mean, it's, um, yeah, right. You know, you're, this is the last one. You're handing the reins over to me. You know, we're, we're, you're done. You're riding off into the sunset. This is now going to be called Join the Business, uh, a, a, an artist's guide to getting a record deal and giving uh, your lawyer 40% off the top. What's wrong with that? Yeah, it's, that's all What's we, wrong that's... with that? <laughs> oh, my God. If, if you hosted the show, it would have an even bigger audience. All right. So um, before we go, our thanks to Ari Winokur. Um, So many people to thank. Mary Amber. For, uh, for uh, getting us that song. Lauren, the producer, awesome. Dave, love you, man. Our social media person, Jessica, Zach Sloan, Evan and Elisa, JC, Katie Zakari, Ariel Hyatt, Bree Noble. So many people made this show happen over the years, and I'm grateful and love each and every one of you. And thanks to all the people watching and listening. Here's what we got to close out the show this week. Jonathan Mann is the Guinness World Record holder for most consecutive days writing a new song. This is true. You can check in the Guinness World Record book. He is the one. We've had him on the show before. We've talked about him a bunch of times. He's one of my favorite indie creators. And he was gracious enough to write a song for our show. It is actually number 4,667 of his Song A Day project. He's been writing a song every day for over a decade now. And we are one of his songs. We are part of a Guinness World Record in progress, Dave. That's that's great. I mean, I wish we were closer to the front, you know, more fresh. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, he's not phoning it in as much at this point after 4,000. But, you know, hey, that's great. <laughs> it's it's so great. He's he, he's truly wonderful. We're going to play this song um, in just a bit. But just one more time. Thank you all so, so much for your support of the show. Please keep supporting us. Please keep telling a friend about the show. Let's make this community bigger. We have so much good that we can do for indie creators. And it has been my honor to be in on this journey with all of you and to create this really awesome little project that we have. Uh, so, so grateful. And uh, Dave, thanks for being here for number 300, man. Dude, it's always a pleasure. I love you, brother. Uh, I'm always here when you need me. Bless you. All right. Without further ado, here is the Break the Business theme by Jonathan Mann to close us out. Business is working, gotta break it apart. Rip up that three-piece suit, open up your heart. If the business isn't working, then it's time to break free. Do what you do and do it uniquely. Break the business. Play us work and work is play. Not your fault, you must